to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and we are here in the studios at Clatter and Din in Seattle on April 4th, 2018 with Tracy Bonham. Hello. And Tracy has uh, done just a fantastic job of curating the show with some really wonderful guests to ask questions and now we have the great honor of welcoming i think probably my favorite producer in the world to this to the show music producer mitchell Froome. welcome to radio eight ball mitchell Froome. well thank you yeah i'm pleased to be here yeah i i warned you that i'm going to gush a little bit because uh from the del fuego's boston mass uh till till the till today you have been producing some of my favorite favorite records of my adult life, um, and I've, I and I've been thinking about it. I think you might be the only producer I know who I will check out a record by an artist I don't know because you're producing them. <laughs> I actually brought up your discography because I wanted to see, and I was <laughs> there's 354 records on this. Holy <laughs> crap! Um, I haven't and, produced 354 albums. <laughs> well, I mean, there. I mean, I guess it, it includes songs that are on tracks that are on right. on yeah. soundtracks. Mm-hmm. But like whether it's Los Lobos, Kiko, like a masterpiece of a record. Whether you know Randy Newman, Elvis Costello, Richard Thompson, Crowded House, your collaborations with Suzanne Vega, Peter Case. I mean, just on and on. Some of the best songwriters. And this is the thing. I actually, I just, you know, I'm gonna stop very soon but the thing i love is I'm, I'm a songwriter and i always feel like when you produce a songwriter that i love that that record is going that their songs are going to get this really great treatment of their songs and it's also going to be weird and that is that's not something that is that's very rare in a producer either that you get the producer who brings their own weirdness and then it overshadows the songwriter or the person who just puts the songwriter in the room and puts the mic ups, mics up and captures it. But with your records, like with Richard Thompson, like Rumor and Sigh, like that record doesn't, I mean, it sounds like a, it's one of my favorite Richard Thompson records, but it also is a really outland, there's some outlandish production on that. And, um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to stop. That's nice of you to say. I, I, <laughs> I, I won't, uh... I won't be overly humble, but I should be. Let's put it that way. No, you should not be. Um, there, you, you know, you try. You, and, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the longer you go, the more you realize that uh, the actual job is to, is to uh, 
you know, enhance what the person does. Like you say, don't 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 make your presence known, mm-hmm. but uh, enhance their eccentricities and and uh, and not take away from the songs. I mean, right now, uh, you're a songwriter, and unfortunately. There's nothing that may be less popular now than being a songwriter. As oh far yeah, as the music yeah. business goes, you know. So mm-hmm. it's that's a, that's the reason I don't know for Radio Eight Ball. Yeah, we'll see. just when we thought it couldn't get any worse. Well, no, it's it's not that it's terrible. It's just not in the business uh, amongst people that write songs and bands. It still means a lot, but in terms of the business, it people it's not something people talk about. People don't talk about lyrics. They don't talk mm-hmm. about. You know, song form. Mm-hmm. The, the, a lot of the vitality is more in, in the hip hop community, and uh, so that's where we are. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Well, eventually, I guess we just we become like jazz, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's just an it's an art form, and you do it. But there's not there's not the big stardom. I actually I actually kind of think, and I know it's probably not. Uh, you know, you you both work in the legitimate side of the the music business, but I always have felt like the like the rock stardom part of it was a distraction from you know that. I mean, it's nice if it happens to you, I think probably, but that even then, there's something about being able to play for people who you can see and feel their vibe that is is different than playing to thousands and thousands of people. And of course, like I said, very fun to do that if it's if it's you, but there's something, I don't know, there's something that is exciting about where we're at. I know I mean, we have amazing songwriters on the show every time we do it, and the songwriters who are on definitely are still channeling whatever John Lennon was channeling and all the, you know all these great the great giants were channeling. It's just for you know for each other now, in a way. But I I, I guess that's true. I I don't hear about it as much, mm-hmm. and uh, th- there's not the system that's that historically supported songwriters. If you want to do it now, you basically have to start by doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. There's less. Uh, the part that makes me sad is there's just much less collaboration. There's much less ability for people to learn from each other and. You know, the whole system that existed where people, I mean, I've learned a tremendous amount from every artist I've worked with, but also from different studio musicians and different engineers and, you, you know, the, the world of recording and how to make a great record is, is left pretty much to people to just, for a long time at least, to just do it themselves and see how, how good they can get. Right. Right. So that's the kind of sad part is that there's not the kind of mentorship and and learning and that most people that I had worked with had gone through. So, yeah. Well, speaking of which, how how uh, how did you and Tracy? How do you know Tracy? I I remember meeting Tracy, but I don't remember Mm -hmm. how the meeting happened exactly. I don't either. (laughs) I don't know who reached out. I mean, somebody reached out to you. To... I think so. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I don't call people to ask to work with them. <laughs> no, I don't think just you're just calling. Because it's embarrassing. Because, you know? Well, yeah, but you were not calling me. I was very surprised actually that you wanted to work with me, and I'm not trying to be all self, you know, deprecating or anything. It's just that you know, here I am. You know, at the time, Mother Mother was my big hit, and I remember now. After we made the introduction, and then you came over to where I was staying in New York City. 
um, in the West Village or near the Meatpacking District. And you sat down with me, and I think you brought your clavinet, right? And uh, you told me... Yeah, I know you don't remember. (laughs) I remember. You told me that you liked Mother Mother. And that, to me, you know, I was like... Because I I knew your stuff, and I knew it was different than anything I'd ever done. But I, I loved what you did. I love the records you made and I guess I was looking to already turn a left corner or something. So I was really surprised that you said Mother Mother was a good song. That to me was oh, Yeah, like, but it was. And, well. and you, it, it was a no-brainer in my mind. <laughs> You're a great singer. You get a lot of sass with what you did and mm-hmm. it's just you know, in my job it's, it's just you want different things. You don't want the same thing. Right. So, uh, if there's an opportunity to work with someone that has that much obvious talent, that's great. Thank you. So, I remember you said no-brainer. <laughs> I did? <laughs> yeah, I think you did. <laughs> yeah, but it was. It was Thank you. It was obvious. So, yeah, and I think no... we didn't explain, though, to the listeners, and then we made a record together. So Mitchell yeah. produced my second record. Which... At least most of it. You... Well, it, I mean... It was fraught. Uh, that, that was... That, that, it was you know, fraught. It was not... Uh, that was when the music business was uh, that was hard alive, but they they gave you a hard time. They were they were basically trying to kill it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. You the the production was I think um, if there were twelve songs, you did ten of the songs. So yeah, yeah, but they did make me go back, and it was really that was the beginning of the I'm gonna say not the end, but it was the beginning of like a real vacuum uh, black hole. It yeah. was really yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's ex- what you went through is exactly the reason why so many of the more talented people out there don't want to sign with a major label. Yeah, for sure. They they, they just uh, they don't want to be messed with. Mm-hmm. They want to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And and the the horrible thing is, I mean, and I'm not saying it was the case in your case, but the horrible thing for a lot of people is if you're forced to make a record that you don't like, mm-hmm. then you don't even get to fail on your own instincts. Hmm. Right. So you have you you gain nothing. The people that like you, if the people that like you don't even like it, yeah, which is a, a lot of these guys at that time would really manipulate people to try to somehow get what they thought was a hit or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all kinds of you know just using the power or it, it, it was there was ugliness yeah in, in at certain labels and oh, yeah. uh, you you had to you know fight through it so. yeah. Yeah. Well, an interesting just you know, our 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 gig here is synchronicity. I'm I'm looking looking at the record on Wikipedia, and uh, it, the release date was April 18th, 2000. Of the the record synchronicity? Is that what you're saying? No, oh, no, no. <laughs> no. Your record wow, down where here. Where am I going? Sorry, the my re- record. Sorry. The, the but uh, that that came out on April 18th, 2000, oh, and wow. this segment that we're recording is coming out on April 22nd. So very close God, to the years. to the anniversary of that. So I thought that was that that's interesting. And also, you were talking about earlier in the show. You played the song, and the world has the nerve to keep turning. Right. And you were talking about that you wrote it right around, probably right around this time. You're saying it was mm. be right before it was before 9/11, but it was probably 2000, 2001. Yeah, and so it was after this album wow. had been released. Yeah. So I mean, just some right. of, some well, of yeah. the struggle that you ta- that you talked about in that song, and you talk about the struggle with this record. Mm-hmm. That I could hear maybe that they influenced each other? Yeah, I was, yeah, it was just a tough time. It was really dark, and I, I went through um, just a lot of 
of questioning and you know my journals are full of like you know they the powers that be are stealing my spirit they're yeah. crushing my soul you know and, yeah, and you had a lot of eccentric impulses right and it was obvious to me that those were not ultimately that a lot of them were going to be squashed down they yeah. certainly no one was excited about that side of Nobody. what you had to offer exactly and, and uh, so that was the struggle for both of us yeah was just to try to make something as good as we could but we knew that we couldn't play something that was sort of strange and wonderful and they'd get excited right like from your management to the label yes. we knew that boy don't even play that for them if we don't have to <laughs> exactly hide it yeah and, wow yeah. so yeah. that's that, that was uh that was, rough. That was uh, i felt really badly for you well wow, gosh that. you know yeah. i was so my whole thing i'm sitting here i'm just like feeling all kinds of jealousy and you know like in, not not in a bad way but like healthy like wow i can't wait to get tracy and mitchell on the show and we just like <laughs> be like what was it like tracy to have mitchell Froome produce you know you go in the studio <laughs> it you was amazing record, it was you're amazing. producing a record with mitchell Froome, and you're both like it was hell it was like not what we were working on music <laughs> right yeah musically we was amazing we had a great time. We really liked each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was fun. You yeah. Know? It was just we when those people friends. would come by. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We just had to shut the world out. When we, it was you, me, and Chad and the band, it was amazing. Yeah. Chad Blake, I yeah. also say. Uh, longtime collaborator with yeah. Mitchell Fry. Yeah, Chad was, was uh, but he, even like stylistically where he was at that point mm-hmm. was not, what the label right. wanted. Yeah, no, they didn't want weird. You know, if they, you Well, they weird. just wanted super compressed, super punchy. Yeah. You know, super uh, on the cleaner side. Yeah. And Chad has sort of given it the sort of <laughs> Chad Blake body language. That <laughs> yeah, the grit, the Yeah, the grit, the, the kind of, you know, a little bit of sleaze or whatever mm-hmm, you want to call mm-hmm, it. Yeah. You know, the, the way that things move is what he responded to. Right. And the low end, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. That to them, that's just... They don't even, you know, dismiss. Yeah. I would get a lot of comments with different artists I work with where people would say, you know, that's that's too much like Tom Waits. I hate that. You, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, meaning right. anything that has anything that's not that, that not uh, super too, polished yeah, yeah. thing. Too is, much is like Tom good, Waits. You know? yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Just for the sake of, of uh, finding a, a you know, silver lining... Was there was there one track like was, was there one particular track from that record that you both feel like oh, we we smuggled that one through we got one that was a that one was a good one. Well, I thought I thought most of them. Yeah. You know, most of it we didn't get messed with. Right. Right. I, right. They didn't really. It was just mess what it. they did tortured you at the end. The end. They asked me to go back yeah. and write something, and you know, write the hit, and you know, so that was the that was really hard and and it dragged on you know and then so the release was you know two years late um yeah and so by then yeah yeah you have to understand that in the psychology of the way things go when you make a record with someone you get a certain energy and when you're finished you have a kind of high then if it's doubted for two years i don't care what you did you're not going to feel good about it right right yeah. And because the world hasn't gotten to hear anything. And, yeah, and, and the artist and, is slowly, you know, getting more and more depressed. Yeah, and, and if someone's constantly telling you, this is flawed, this is flawed, you need, you know, this isn't good enough, 
then you start to think it's not good enough because there hasn't been it hasn't been judged by the world it's just been judged by these two or three guys you know so confusing so that's that's why you know that that's the hard part but the making of the record i it was much easier for me than tracy because i just had good memories of it I think pre-production was my favorite because you brought over that um, the cassette deck. Do you still oh, have the that? Box. Yeah, finally. The boombox with the m- microphones. Yeah. And we. Would... I, I still have a few of them, but I haven't used that in a while. Oh, it's it's so good because in the room, if we all played together, those mics picked up everything equally, and it the pre-production tapes were awesome. Wish we could save those. So what would the, what I, I the, you were going right where I wanted to go and we'll just this is going to go a little bit longer because this is something I really want to know so what is that process so when you say like you got together with who who was in the room Mitchell would come over to my apartment and at the time I was with um Steve my husband and or boyfriend at the time and um uh he was a drummer and so we it was just basically the three of us for a while right yeah, and so I'd do a keyboard bass. We just tried to make some kind of noise to hear the song with some, and get some sort of feeling yeah. from it. Yeah, it was and, just a uh, vibe. You taught me so much of just like going with what was there at that moment. Yeah, and, and I had this boombox that had highly compressed little mics. So if you recorded into it, it sounded really vital. <laughs> as long as it wasn't too full. If you left enough space... It would come roaring out and, you know. It would sound and, real. And, and so it was weird. fun. It, it just, and it, they weren't nearly professional enough in any way for anyone to ever use them. <laughs> so it, it's just fun. Yeah. And so. is, is that, was that your process in general? Is that when, when you would get together with, was that something that was specific, specifically with Tracy? Or is that your process when you get together with a, any of the songwriters you work with that, you get together. It, it and was you play? mostly my process. If it was a band, I'd do the same. And uh, there would be exceptions where, uh, you know, I wouldn't do that with Randy Newman, for example. <laughs> he would think I was insane. <laughs> but but uh, but most most of the time. So like going back to the early records, like with the Del Fuegos, would you just get in the get your keyboards and get in the room and play with them and yeah that's what we did we made boombox tapes for very first God. i had that boombox right when i started producing i, I just had it do you still and have I started using it in rehearsals and it it was something everyone liked yeah so uh it's a way to hear yourself if you just keep playing a song over and over again particularly if it's with a band you can't tell if it sounds good no one can right. tell anything but if you can make some kind of cheap recording that sounds exciting then everyone gets happy mm-hmm. and you can sometimes find the song that's the more important song that you didn't think was just because the way it comes out of speakers mm-hmm. so do you think you have less expectation because of the crappy quality you're not looking for it what i liked about it at that time i don't do it anymore yeah. but what i liked about it is you just want to see if the song is going to work if it comes over like a really good song and if there's just some basic ideas or groove or something that makes it sound like oh okay yeah well, that, mm-hmm. that's good we can record that yes. mm-hmm. that's simple you know so it's less pressure yeah mm, great well i have about a thousand other questions <laughs> uh, i'll a, say one uh, other thing about oh, yeah. it though sorry yeah the, the thing do. i like best about it you get to play the song from the beginning to the end yeah 
And, and so it's not just like, oh, okay, well, there's a verse, let's punch in something for the right. chorus. No, it, it had to work as a song beginning to end. And if someone messed up, we'd have to do it again. And mm -hmm. so that's healthy for a song, right? That's, that's right. what a song needs, is that sense that it can be played all yeah. the way through. Right, not paced up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I, I I have to get to the to the to our format here and get to your question for the Pop Oracle, Mitchell Froom. Do you have one for us? I do. I don't know if it's a good question because <laughs> I was struggling with it. <laughs> so I just it's picked hard. a song that's one of my favorite uh, song titles. That's a question. Oh, really? Okay. Of an of an old song. It's called "Why Was I Born." Wow. That's an amazing question. And that it actually syncs up with other stuff we've been talking about. So that's that's great. Okay. Okay, so the question well, is uh, Yeah. <laughs> Just I was wait. hoping you weren't going to say, "Man, you're a depressed guy." <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, what do you hear this whole episode? <laughs> when you hear it back, you'll know. <laughs> It'll all make sense. Okay. <laughs> okay. So That's a great title though, isn't it? It's a good song. Who wrote that? I don't it's a really Really old song. When I worked with Jimmy Scott on that record, uh, he oh. had done that song. Oh, it's good. And so I was listening to some of the songs he'd done, and I saw that title, and I, th I thought, I, I want to hear that song. Yeah, really, it's a good. I title. mean, that sounds like some kind of deep blues or whatever. That, right. but that's okay. Well, let's see what we get now. So the question okay. for Mitchell Froom is, why was I born? And to engage the pop oracle on your behalf, I'm going to spin the wheel of eight. Na 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 na, we love you. Uh, it already came up eight, so I'm gonna just give it another spin. Na 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 na, we love Song number three, which is Naked. Whoa. Wow. That's all I can say. Why? I don't know how this works. What, what just happened? So what <laughs> happened was I just spun a wheel that uh, has the numbers one through eight on it. And Tracy has a list of songs numbered one through eight that I announced at the beginning of the show. And it landed on song number three, which is Tracy Bonham's song, Naked. And now she's right, gonna... but what's it got to do with why was I born? Well, now we'll Nothing. see. It's gonna. Oh right. So she has to make it. Now she's gonna play it. I'm for not us. gonna get naked. Oh <laughs> right. <laughs> so... But do you have to relate it somehow to why was I born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure oh, it out. So you have to come up with something. Yeah. Well, I, don't worry. That's my job. Why was I born naked? Is that the? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what the answer is. Let her play it. Here we go. Myself become 
Tracy Bonham, the answer to Mitchell Froom's question to the Pop Oracle, why was I born? (laughs) So uh, before we get into interpreting that song, beautiful, beautiful (sighs) song. Thanks. Tracy, do you want to tell us where where it comes from? What's the background on it? I was sitting in a cafe on 6th Avenue in New York City, and it was right after recording my album with Mitchell Froom. And Chad Blake, 
And it was during that time when I felt like I felt so raw and I felt so exposed and I felt like nobody cared. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I gave my all in my music and we, you know, worked so hard and it kind of felt like maybe um, I was being dismissed or disregarded. Right. So naked for you means like I'm like I've lost everything. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Mm-hmm. M- Mitchell, have you heard that song before? I, d- I have heard this song. <laughs> Was that on a subsequent? Record? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great song. I, I had a completely different memory when you were doing it. I, I thought I'd heard you perform it live. Maybe you did, and it would be on a, guitar. No, but it was with your band. It oh, was like the yeah. Lilith Fair thing or something. Yes, but it, it was a different song. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, but that, uh, I remember that song really well. Oh. Beautiful song. I think you sent it to me. Yeah, maybe I did. I probably sent you it. Yeah. So did I call and apologize? <laughs> I'm still crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think about that? Is the answer to your question? Uh, why well, was I yeah, born? Yeah, it's a great. It's a great answer. It's it's uh, it's not as. Uh, it's vulnerable. At least it's not totally dark, but it relates, right? So <laughs> yeah, right. it's kind of very apropos. Uh, yeah, compared to the other songs that I have on the list. Yeah. Well, why, uh, Tracy? When you when that song came up, you had an immediate hit yeah. of like, oh, this is. So what was what did you think about that? I went that? to the last line of the song, which is um, "You're naked, going out exactly as you came in." Oh, right. going out. So yeah. Know. Only you can answer it for yourself. But if I was asking this question, if I was asking why was I born, and I got the answer naked, I would be. It would be about. I don't know. I guess maintaining that sense of of childish, like everything's on the table, revealing things. And I mean, and I and I'm gonna bring this back to what I love about your production is that I do. That's that thing that I feel like. Even in the midst of some pretty wild productions, there is this naked quality. Like I think of, again, I'll talk about Kiko. Like that record, you couldn't get a more beautifully produced, and all the music, there's so much mu- musicianship on that record. But my experience of it, and it is a, a, a record about childhood, is about it being so, I don't know, like treated gently like you mm. treat a child and like it is naked and the songs just live so purely on that or i think about a song like uh, so like candy like that song like it is so it's so naked and it's at the same time not naked because it's because there's nothing there but because whatever you create creates this space where people can be naked in this beautiful beautiful place um so you know, for whereas, so I'm in, in part interpreting it for myself, like what, why was I born to reveal things, to reveal myself, to be more naked? But when I think about you, I think why were you born was to help other people be able to be mm-hmm. naked in public, which is, which is really hard as you were talking about, mm-hmm. like especially when you have like the, the forces that you're talking about that mm-hmm. those of us who just listen to the records aren't aware that this record that we love was hated by the doctors who were birthing it, you know, who were, who were not the, you, not mm-hmm. you all, but the people whose job it was to put it into the world. Yeah. Right. So I thought there was, you know, I thought there was something there, but uh, did you have any other thoughts? Yeah, we were about born that? into the orphanage and they were trying to place us into bad homes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they were doing bad foster care. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking while I was um, singing the lyrics too. I think that not only because uh, I agree with you, Andras, but I also think that my what I'm getting uh, as the answer to your question, Mitchell, is also that we are here to love, because some of the lyrics are, um, uh, God, you give. Uh, now I can't remember it. Um, your hardened heart can't hide you now. It mm-hmm. loves as much as you allow. Things like that. Or it's only love that makes me feel like getting naked. Those kinds of right. lyrics yeah. stood out to me. I thought, was, I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. You know, it was a great question. I mean, was is that something that you wonder about? Me? Yeah. No, I just, I mean, <laughs> I, I was hesitant to use that one because right. I thought it was too dark. You know, right. <laughs> I love it, Mitchell. I thought it was great. But it's just this great title, you know, and, and I, I thought, listen. oh, well, maybe it can, if both of you took a positive view of it. <laughs> I think the song itself, if I remember right, I mean, the guy is just saying, why was I born? Right. You know, things are born not Born into good. bad circumstance, yeah. 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 So, uh, but, no, it's a, yeah, it's, <laughs> you've made it into an interesting question. Well. <laughs> Well, you made it into an interesting question. <laughs> we made it into an interesting answer. Mm-hmm. So that, there you go. And so that's... the guy who wrote the song that was probably like turning in his grave because we're like, oh, yeah, woe is me in my life. <laughs> and it's about love. And it's it's like, about love and being and naked. The guy goes like, like, yeah, born. lost love. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I'll t- you know, I'll, I'll, I'll find that and I'll put that song, I'll put a link to that song in the, yeah, the blog post. So yeah, I, gotta go. I haven't heard it in. Yeah, so many years. I, I've got to go back and listen to it, too. I yeah. might be completely wrong about it. I just love that. That's the title. a title that makes you want to hear the song. Yeah. Whatever, it, however you feel about anything. Exactly. You, you just want to check that one out. Yeah. Well, we will have to check it out. And I have to say, I'd love to have you as a as the musician, as the musical guest on the show sometime, if, you're, if it ever works out. Uh, like well, I said, as a musician, as long as I wouldn't have to play or sing, then it would be fine. <laughs> you have some records, man. Yeah, just, have you been playing? Yeah, I, I play. I Good. still play on record. Good. And, Good. And, uh, oh I man! I just finished a. I, I I just finished something I did myself. But Good. we'll see. You know. I love so. your piano records. Yeah, I don't. A thousand but, but nights. Thank you. Oh my God! I put on a thousand nights all the time. All right. Well, I love it. Did you well, check the Debussy quote I did in the um in the um the song I just did? Did you hear? No, it? I didn't. Ah. <sighs> Now, stumping totally Mitchell for ripped him. off WC. Oh, the the are, are you talking about in the in the in instrumental naked. section? Yeah, I I I heard the one chord coming oh. out of the instrumental section, which is one of my favorite chords. That minor with the major seven. Oh yeah, that one. But yeah. no, it was right before that I was doing the 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 um a WC rip complete rip. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I love about that chord? That? That's called the Billy Strayhorn chord. Really? The minor with the major seven. And he loved that chord because it was sad but happy at the same time. Yes. Because it had the major seven and the minor. I love that. I have coined the maginer phrase. you like that word? Maginer? <laughs> what is that? Maginer. What does it mean? Major minor. Maginer. Oh, major minor. That's mine. Yeah. Uh, you, All right. You're welcome. That, that is Tracy's Maginer. <laughs> uh, is that what you were, and the major seven with the minor? Well, seven? no. I just, I looked for an excuse to use that. It's, I normally, <laughs> you know the, when a tune usually has like fifths and there's no third in it, it could be either yeah. major or minor. That's yeah. really what I think of as Maginer, but I wanted to use it. 
I know you can. You love saying. Yeah, I love it. Saying that. I love that in any kind of like yeah. a, older rock and roll where they one guy's playing the minor, the other's playing the major. <laughs> it didn't it's matter. Cr- tremendous, <laughs> tremendous sound. It's true. Awesome. Geeking awesome. out. Well, thank you for being on the show, Mitchell Froom. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, and Tracy, th- let's talk. I want to. Let's do it. I don't know about your your kid. I you know. I know. There's lots to talk about, and same yeah. with you with Jack. And oh my god. Uh, Ruby, so well, let's talk. I'm going to call you, and maybe I'll see you You guys need to talk about Jack Ruby? No, no, no. Jack and Ruby. <laughs> kids. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Do you, do you, have both, you have a kid named Jack, and you have a kid you both? No, he has two kids. I have a daughter named Ruby and a, and a son named Jack. Right. Is that because you're a, a, a big uh, Kennedy assassination? <laughs> no. My dad's name was Jack. Oh. So when he died and my son was born. Got it. That was that. Got it. There it is. So many rabbit holes we could go down. Uh, Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Show.